social ladies. All the 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 social ladies. Now put your phones up. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Because if you're social, then you really should be tweeting less. If you're social, then you really could be leading less. You can't let what people say it's so mysterious. Because you're social, you're a leader and you're serious. Now, Carrie Kerpin. Hi, I'm Carrie Kirpin, and welcome back to another episode of All the Social Ladies. As I said, I'm Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media, and today I'm so excited to introduce Melissa Carrier. Melissa is a self-proclaimed total geek for all things digital. A graduate of the University of Rhode Island, she holds degrees in marketing, French, and international business, and is actually proud to have never taken a single course on social media. Of course, they didn't exist then. In spite of all of this, she did manage to become the U.S. social media manager for the world's leader in Cut Crystal, Swarovski, and she continues to learn the craft of digital communication, and you're going to hear all about it here today. So I want to welcome you, Melissa, to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, we're so excited to have you. And I'm, I'm really just, you have such an interesting background and an interesting story. And I would love for you to start by telling us how you did. You know, a lot of us were in the same space, right? They didn't offer social media classes or courses when we were in school. Right. So tell me the story of how you got to where you are in your career. So, you know, I think it probably all goes back to, you know, when I was probably in elementary school, I um, was just so drawn to the internet. I have no idea why, but it just was sort of that fixture in my life. Um, so, I mean, even starting in fifth grade, I was begging my mom to get, uh, I think it was it was before even AOL. <laughs> so wow. I was always very drawn to the internet. Um, was it Prodigy? College, I feel like it was Prodigy. Maybe that was the name. Of the yes, team. that's what it I was. I think it was yes, Prodigy. It was prodigy. <laughs> Pre- yeah, so we must be around the same time. Yes, for sure. The Prodigy was a big thing. Yeah, it was huge. And, you know, my mother was like, no, no, we're not going to get a subscription service. I right. don't even know what that is. Right. Um, yeah, so by the time we got to college, uh, you know, the Internet had been around for a while. But I, I can remember the first time I got an invite to actual Friendster. And, uh, you know, I, like, couldn't get enough at that point. I was really hooked. So first came Friendster. And then I think it was even a full year later, Facebook came on the scene at my college. So we were we were all amped to get on it and start connecting with people. And then, you know, then I graduated, and that was about the time when I started my career. Um, I just always had such a personal interest in it, even though it didn't really fit in with my, you know, my initial job, which was training and then e-learning. Um, I, you know, I was able to keep that digital aspect of it, but you know, social media was just always something that was a passion of mine. Mm-hmm. So I just sort of grabbed on to whatever I could um, in the name of communications and just sort of learned as much as I could. Uh, I also sort of had a side project blog at the time. So that really helped me to learn um, and establish myself uh, enough to convince people here that um, I should be the first U.S. social media manager. <laughs> So you think that it was part of the credibility that you had from the blog that helped you gain kind of your role in social? Would you say that? You know, I think that it really helped me gain some self-confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I think that definitely helped. And, you know, to people who ask me, you know, w- any advice about sort of breaking into the field of social media, um, 
sometimes you think that just sort of having accounts is enough and knowing how to use it. But when you're, when you have a blog, you know, you're trying to be entrepreneurial and you're really trying to make your own way and drum up traffic and other opportunities. So there's an extra level to it. Yeah, that's, that's exactly why I asked, because I I think it's very interesting that you started uh, the blog prior to going into a full career in social media. You were doing it more as an entrepreneur. Tell me a little bit about the blog. Is this, did you start with Grace and Josie or did you, did you have a blog prior? to that. Yeah, um, I did. I had a blog prior to that. And um, it's hilarious for me to go back and read some of the earlier posts totally. from like, you know, 2005. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, because, you know, that was uh, almost 10 years ago at that point, which is kind of shocking. Right. Um, yeah, no, Grace and Josie, I became a little bit more serious at it. Uh, at that point, I think just because I really found my my niche and I was able to write about things, you know, it came much easier to me. Um, but one of the biggest things with that is that I was able to really find a great community um, within, you know, the local mommy bloggers. I almost hate to use that term just because it seems, you know, it seems a little specific to people who are outside of that. But, you know, it was just this great community of women who are also blogging, um, that are local to me and then also that are not local. So that really helped too. Oh, that's great. So just to give our our readers some background and our listeners some background, tell me a little bit about Grace and Josie and how you started that as a whole. So people know, I mean, I love it because of course I was doing all kinds of research on you, but I'm sure that they would love to know all about it. Sure. Well, um, it actually started with my coworker and I, uh, at the time she sat right behind me and, you know, we had daughters that were pretty similar in age. I think they were about a year, a year and a few months apart. Uh, and we were always lamenting, you know, they have such cute clothes, but they're growing out of them so fast. So we are just going to unabashedly post these pictures and, you know, so other people can enjoy them, you know, selfishly so we could enjoy them and have, you know, sort of to make a to do about it, uh, sort of based on, you know, the, uh, the old fashion blogs, but really what came out of it. Uh, and then also right around that time, my daughter turned an age when every photo I took of her was blurry because she was just a, <laughs> a blur running by me. Yep. Um, so honestly I had to change my content strategy a little bit. Um, so I just started writing about things that were important to me that were interesting that I thought other people might find interesting too. So it's definitely evolved and I think matured from that aspect, but, um, it was just fun initially to go in uh, to go in on it uh, with a friend, and she still does contribute. I will say she will even admit that you know I'm doing most of the posting, but um, <laughs> it's just fun to have that. I think it was more of a self confidence thing at first, like oh we could do this together. You know, I, on my own it seems like a lot, but you know we could promote this together. <laughs> and so, would you recommend that people try a blog? Try having a blog? Oh yeah, I mean you don't really have much to lose. Um, you know, it's just, it's my own personal space. I can write what I want, you know, what I feel, um, you know, you can write it out there. And also, especially if you're in the field of social media, it gives me a lot of practice for things that I, I, I definitely wouldn't want to just try out in the brand space. For sure. So it gives you that flexibility kind of to play. And now mm-hmm. in terms of Swarovski, were you able to do this while you were at your job? Did they encourage this? Were they good about it? Well, you know, I think that um, one of the big things about it is that, you know, it's really based on my my family life and my own personal life. So it really fits into, I'm writing, you know, when my kid goes to bed, when Grace is in bed, um, on the weekend. So, you know, I, I think that they're actually very separate and I kind of like it that way. 
Yeah, I think that's a great thing. I think to be able to separate and have different facets of your online persona is really great because it allows you to keep those things separate if you want to. Exactly. That's great. So tell me a little bit about the overall strategy of Swarovski and how you are looking at and approaching social media. So I can give you a pretty good indication from our U.S. perspective. Um, Swarovski is a, uh, it's a pretty big company. And, uh, you know, I've been here for almost 10 years. Um, I've seen it grow. I'm, you know, so very proud of, um, you know, every step along the way. Um, I've seen us gone from a company that had zero involvement in social to building, you know, what we have today. Um, So that's pretty exciting. When I first started, um, I was hired as the first um, regional social media manager. Mm -hmm. So there was a very small team that had been established at the central um, for our consumer goods business, which is the business I work for. They are located in Switzerland. So the company is actually Austrian, but, you know, uh, my specific division is located in Switzerland. Okay. So there was a very small team in Switzerland, and then there was sort of me, the offshoot in uh, the U.S. So that was also very interesting, too, because I was, you know, sort of on an island by myself where, as a company, we were very new at this. For me personally, I was very new at it professionally. Um, So that was really fun to kind of grow from that into, you know, where we are now, which is like three years later where there's many, many more social media managers and, you know, the team centrally has grown and our accounts have grown and our presence has grown too. So that's kind of fun. Um, That being said, you know, we do have other divisions and one of the big challenges is as a brand, you know, really how do we maintain the Swarovski brand, but also we mean, you know, different things to different people. So for example, my side of the business is our retail side of the business. Mm-hmm. We sell Swarovski.com. We sell in the retail stores you'll find in malls across America, Canada, all over the world, really. We also have another division um, called our Swarovski Professional Division. So they're, you know, tasked with the actual manufacturing of the um, the Swarovski crystal stones and the beads that you'll find, yeah. you know, that we sell to designers, we build chandeliers with, all, you know, wherever you see those Swarovski elements. We recently crystallized the Vespa. I don't know if you saw that. I did. Uh, did you? Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's that side of the business. So, you know, we just, we mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So with our social accounts, it's, you know, it's always been sort of a challenge of, how do we make sure that we're staying true to the brand as a whole and not being too specific? Right. Um, and when we specifically have chosen in, in most of our accounts not to separate it. Um, so, for example, we have one Instagram account. Right. We have one uh, Twitter account. Facebook is really the only one that's pretty different. We have one Pinterest account. Facebook, though, um, we have a CGB page, which is the consumer goods business, and then we also have our um, global Facebook page. And then Swarovski Professional, they also have their page as well. Um, that's where we, you know, honestly, from my perspective in the U.S., we have a little bit more freedom to share our messages because they don't have to be so specific. And also on Facebook, you can geotarget, which is very nice. <laughs> Absolutely. Geotargeting via global pages is actually something we, we just wrote about at Likeable this week of some of the benefits of, of being able to geotarget your posts makes it much, much easier uh, to just have a message that's targeted. I think that that's key for Facebook, for sure. It sounds like you're talking to a lot of different groups based off of the different units that you have in business. Mm-hmm. And it says you keep one one space. How would you describe the voice? 
Um, well, Swarovski is all about adding sparkle to people's everyday lives. So, um, you know, obviously we, we keep things very positive, very upbeat. Um, a lot of the things that we focus on are all about the light. Um, you know, and light has a lot to do with crystal, whether it's creating that sparkle, creating that light within yourself. So, you know, um, again, it is a challenge, but I think that, you know, we just try to make sure that things are globally relevant, um, on those shared platforms, um, and also newsworthy too. So from the CGB perspective, we focus a lot on the products and, you know, different influencers that we are um, working with or that, you know, will share our products or wear our products. And then, you know, we're also posting, you know, from the red carpet. We recently had the Emmys and we had some great placements of our handbags and our our jewelry on the red carpet. Um, So some of those things too, we actually get to share because, um, you know, so if you take an award show, for example, we've got one side of the business, the Swarovski professional side, who is, you know, proud that they're working with designers who have bedazzled these wonderful, um, you know, red carpet gowns. Right. And so they're, you know, they, they have that piece of it. And then that's, that star may also be wearing a Swarovski handbag or, you know, some Swarovski jewelry on the red carpet. So from my consumer goods perspective, we have that. So you know, there are times when everything comes together. And then, you know, at the Oscars this year, we had uh, a gorgeous, um, you know, crystal curtain that was created for the Frozen uh, performance. So, yeah. Love that. Yes. Lots of fun stuff always going on. Uh, I'm, you know, even surprised sometimes when we have involvement in things and I'll see it in the media because we just have so many things going on all the time. I'm sure. So it's, and I think the message also, what you said about sparkle and light is really universal Mm -hmm. globally. Like who doesn't love a little sparkle in their life when I, when I think about it. So that, that's, that's pretty awesome. You guys have been really, really ahead of the game. uh, I, I think in looking at since, since you've come on board and since you've brought a lot of the social to the, to the forefront here. I mean, if we look at you were you were pretty out there with a great campaign on Instagram in 2012, right? With the Style Elites of Fashion Night Out. Oh yeah, that yeah. was fun. Yes, um, you guys were we there. Were. It's pretty um, early. Actually, we worked with a company, uh, well, not a company, um, an agency in New York, Fashions Collective. Um, they really helped us to sort of. They, were, I, you know, I can't take complete credit for that yep. idea, but um, they were really the ones who helped come up with that idea and implement it. Yep. And at the time, it was so, um, you know, it was new and different, and, and it was just so fun um, to see that come to life. We had. Uh, an Instagram printer in the store instead of a photo booth. And at that time, that was brand new. So yeah. the company that we used, and I can't remember their name right now, but um, the company that we used, 52 you know. 52 Grams. Was it 52 Grams? Oh, yeah. Fashion 52 Grams was the actual platform, the yep. digital platform. Yep. Then we used another company, which was the um, the wireless uh, Instagram printers okay. in store, which basically anytime somebody used a hashtag, it would print out in our store. So they would come to our store to pick up those images. Um, but they had to, like, create extra machines in time. So, of course, we were worried that they weren't going to. But, I mean, at that time, it was all, you know, pretty cutting edge and pretty new. But it was that was so much fun to yes. uh yeah, I mean, I that's what, when I looked at that, I was thinking, wow, this for 2012 is pretty cutting edge. Is it, how do you manage to then continue to stay relevant? How do you, how do you manage to continue to push the envelope and continue to do great things like that? How do you stay on top of the game? Well, you know, there's a lot of uh, benchmarking and uh, great ideas that need to come together. So, um, you know, I, I read so much and I'm always, you know, perusing Twitter and the, you know, 
the, the different blogs that I read and, you know, other publications. So just continuing to look at what people are doing and kind of thinking how we can put our own spin on it. Um, because, you know, every brand and every um, operation is unique in how they have to operate. So, you know, sometimes we have some constraints, but that kind of helps us to figure out, you know, how we can make it different and make it Swarovski. So that's fun. I also love going to South by Southwest because um, there, you know, the whole experience is completely overwhelming. You walk out of there and you're like, wow, I learned so much in that very condensed amount of time. And I saw so much. And, you know, I see the best ideas there, I think. For sure. So it sounds like you get a lot of your ability to stay relevant through inspiration, either from reading or attending South by Southwest or these areas, looking at what the best in class are doing and then drawing on it based on your own ability to execute different things within your organization. It sounds like you really use that to help spark inspiration for you. Yes, yes, definitely. And then, you know, just conversations with people, too. I have, um, you know, one of the things I love Twitter for is just sort of breaking down that barrier of, uh, you know, meeting people face-to-face and just kind of sending people a tweet and saying, hey, I'd like to get to know you a little bit better. You know, I'm such an introvert. So for me to be able to do that, you know, it's basically changed. I think it's pretty much changed my career because I would, you know, when I first started my career, it was a big thing to, like, go to these networking events and meet people. And I was like, that sounds awful. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But if I can meet them on Twitter first, uh, you know, it's just it's so much easier to actually for me to make that connection in person. I think you tapped into something so important there. One of the things that I, I definitely see in social is that Twitter and a lot of social media in general really helps introverts socialize yeah. for sure. Oh, for yeah. sure. For sure. You meet that's why when you meet people sometimes in real life, they're there you see that they're introverted and it's like a shock in a way because you've you've been engaging with this person who seems, you know, very, very outgoing. And then when they they're quite shy when you meet them in person, but at least they're much more warmed up. So that's a very oh, yeah. that's a that's a really such an interesting point um, and something I find in social all the time. Yeah, yeah. No, I feel like I could be like the mayor of that movement because I, I totally support that. Let's let's start a movement like um, in, it's introverts also rule. Too, we, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I know it's okay. I said introverts rule on on the oh, internet. Yeah. Internet <laughs> introverts rule the internet. I love yeah. it. I love it. Yes, it's definitely true. And, and, you know, I find people that I know to be, like, very, very uh, extroverted. Uh, My mother-in-law is a good example. She's very extroverted. She's like, I don't know how you spend so much time on that Internet. I'm like, because I have a rich inner life. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. So when you do come up with a great idea for Swarovski and you think about it, how do you – um, then measure the success of what you do. Let's say you come up with an idea for either a great piece of content or a great campaign or or anything in general. How are you measuring your success in social? You know, I mean, that's that's pretty difficult, especially when it's it can be something that hasn't been done before. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, we try to apply uh, you know metrics when we can. Uh, I think one of the things we're always trying to challenge ourselves to do is with our social campaigns. You know, how do we measure that in-store traffic? Another thing that's interesting about you know my team here in the U.S. We're not necessarily um, responsible for the sales through our e-commerce site. It happens in Switzerland. Um, so we're very focused on driving traffic in store, which can be pretty difficult unless yes. you have somebody who's coming in with a bar uh, barcode on their phone, you know. Um, so we're always sort of 
tasked with figuring out some ways around that. And I think we've got some good ideas um, for a loyalty program we're working on for next year. I won't give you any hints about that, but I will say um, we've done two uh, loyalty campaigns over the past two years. The first one was called Passport to Sparkle. The one now is called Get Caught or Ready, Set, Get Caught. Love it. And um, those have been, uh, you know, just amazing in terms of the numbers we've seen. And that we're measuring, you know, we can track how many times somebody comes in, who's associated with the program, you know, their purchases and things like that. So we're actually able to track the the more traditional things that retailers are interested in tracking and, you know, getting results on. Do you have any tools that you recommend? I, I know you guys, you guys have worked with Curalate, right? Yeah. Yeah. And do you have any, what tools do you use to help make sure your social is on point? So, you know, we have used tools here and there. Um, we've, I've seen some tools come and go. Um, right now, yeah, we do use Curlate. We use that for, you know, things like scheduling Instagram, and we use it, uh, you know, very heavily within Pinterest. We ran a great giveaway through them, you know, like, sort of like a pin it to win it, although those, yep. uh, those aren't necessarily allowed anymore. Right, I know. <laughs> before, you know, things change as they do. Um but, you know, we, a lot of the native tools, you know, within Facebook, I just, I'm just using sort of the native insights. Um, we are using actually, or just in the process of, of uh, getting a contract underway with a company called Crowdly. And if you haven't um, checked them out, you should, because they're actually focused, focused on advocacy management. Um, which was sort of a new concept to me. So, you know, we, we're always doing community management within our, obviously, within our Facebook community. But they allow you to sort of pull some extra data and see, you know, say everybody's talking about the Slake bracelet. So all of these people who are talking about it, we can sort of access them specifically and really start to focus on not only our Facebook fans, but the people who are advocates. And that's become so important just because of the way that Facebook works now. When we first started back in, you know, 2011, I think, maybe it was earlier than that, but um, that was about when I came on board. You know, Facebook was sort of a free-for-all. It was uh, posted, and if they're your fans, they'll see it. And now it's like, okay, that's not the case anymore. So you just have to be a little bit smarter in your approach. And how did you adjust to that change? I mean, social media changes so rapidly, both with even what you mentioned about tools. Sometimes you've used tools and you see them come and go. You know, So many things in social mm-hmm. come and go. And even the Facebook algorithm has changed so much. And with the, the switch really and the move to paid, are you able to and how are you able to quickly adjust at your organization? Well, you know, I, I think there's just that period when you're doing a lot of Googling and a lot of commiserating with other <laughs> social media managers yep. on that, and I saw that happen, and I've seen a lot less of those articles lately, so I think people are just kind of on to the acceptance point yep. um, part of it. Um, so, you know, we've adjusted by really making it worth uh, people's while to click and comment on our post. Um, we started doing a bi-weekly about biweekly, you know, at least monthly flash giveaway. And that's helped um, with engagement. So now that that those people who are regularly clicking on that, you know, they're seeing our posts more often. And we've had to, you know, basically just go, you know, go by Facebook's rules in terms of what they are willing to promote and what they're not. Um, We find that any images of product work so much better than anything else. So, 
you know, we know what works and we know what doesn't work. It does take a little bit of time. I, I wish that I, you know, could say that we get on it right away, but <laughs> like anything, you, you're kind of, you know, you're in denial at first and then you just start kind of figuring out what works. Um, I'm also a very intuitive person. And so, you know, I just kind of get a feeling for what things are working and what things aren't working. So mm-hmm. I try to adjust those. Um, since it's just me, um, it's helpful because, you know, <laughs> I can set that expectation with myself and we can say, okay, well, this isn't really working. Let's do this. We do a lot of testing too. Um, not necessarily in like the official testing, but just does this one work or does this one work? Okay, let's try that again and, and kind of see, you know, what rises to the top. So is it just you within the organization who's working on social? Is is it your sole responsibility or do you have a team with you? So for the U.S., for the consumer goods business, it's just me. Wow. Um, yeah. For, um, you know, I, had, uh, I have two other colleagues who do social media in the U.S. They're in New York. Um, one is working for our corporate communications um, side of the business, and the other is working for Swarovski Professional side of the business. So, you know, with them, um, and they were hired a few years after me. Um, so, you know, originally I was the only person in the U.S., and that was pretty tough because, wow. you know, you just you really like to have somebody else who understands the business and that you can sort of throw around ideas, you know, get some ideas on vendors, go in on vendors together. Um but having those two in that position has really been helpful. We have regular calls and, you know, just really support each other, and which is awesome. That's much better than being entirely yeah. on your own. So how do you come up with the volume of content that you need to do? You know, Swarovski is very, very good at um, the content that they're providing. So okay. they provide a ton of assets. With our uh, Miranda Kerr campaign, you know, they were very forward-thinking. And while they're, you know, doing the product shoots and everything, they're creating video and they're creating lifestyle shots and things like that. So, you know, in, over the past year, that became a, content really became more of a priority. So I would say now we don't really have much of a problem with, uh, you know, getting our hands on a lot of beautifully created content. And then for our local programs, we we do work with an agency, um, so for our loyalty program. And, you know, they're also amazing at getting us great content too. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm looking through some of your content now. It seems like you have such a plethora of stuff because you have so many celebrities and, and different people who are actually wearing uh, the crystals in some in some capacity. I'm looking at uh, yeah. at Gwen's dress, Gwen Stefani at the Emmys, and I just cannot believe it. I want it. <laughs> I, want, I want I know. It. it is pretty amazing. And, you know, you just kind of like, you almost get used to it. Just there's content every day, like every single day. And, you know, my Google alerts will be anything from like, oh, so-and-so wore this on the red carpet to, oh, so-and-so crystallized a toilet today. (laughs) It's really (laughs) insane, like the amount of the the spectrum that I see on a daily basis. That's pretty amazing. So it seems like there's no no shortage of... of inspiration there for you. That's pretty exciting. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I'm also a very creative person and, you know, so I love just the creative process and I love working with Swarovski because it's never, there's never a dull moment. There's always, you know, people being creative, whether it's creating the next collection, working with these designers who are, you know, making beautiful dresses or making these, you know, crystal sculptures or it is pretty amazing to, to be surrounded by so much creativity. Well, that sounds certainly very rewarding and fun for sure, for sure. Um, So tell me uh, just a little bit about what you think is next for Swarovski. 
Um, you know, well, I can tell you what's next for us in the U.S. In a few weeks, we're going into our uh, our ideation session for uh, the spring-summer season, so we'll be planning everything through next July. Um, we're very excited to see what comes out of, uh, you know, twice a year we have a big meeting, um, you know, in Switzerland, and um, they kind of preview what's next for the next season. So it's, it's honestly a surprise to me until, you know, our manager comes back and, and shows us <laughs> what was presented to her. So it's kind of exciting to see that, you know, this time last year, we had no idea that Miranda Kerr was going to be um, involved with our brand. And so that was revealed about a year ago. Um, So yeah, it's just always exciting. We we saw new products the last time around that um, our Stardust collection, which is in stores now, we'll really be launching it in about October though. So that was very exciting. It's just sort of a I think it'll be a fun, uh, you know, really affordable trend piece that will be uh, that will be in our stores. Oh, this is yeah. very exciting. I'll have to find, I'll track one down. I love it. Send yes. It over to you. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, Melissa, your job sounds very exciting and certainly very sparkly. For people who want to be just like you when they're inspiring <laughs> young, all of our young listeners, what advice would you give them to take the next steps to grow into a career like yours? So my advice, um, first of all, just a little bit more of background. I was, I adored Swarovski from before I even know that it was a company that was based in Rhode Island, where I grew up, where I went to school. I think that was a bit of luck. Um, but, you know, I really adored the company. I wanted to know everything about it. I was very passionate about it and also about um the skills and, you know, the art of social media and digital. And I think that, um, you know, just having that passion and that drive to learn as much as I could probably came to the top, you know, when I was interviewing. Um, So that was hugely important. I also think a big thing in social media is trust. I know that if I were to hire a team of people, I would really need to make sure that I trusted, you know, their communication skills, their ability to, um, you know, just be very guarded in, uh, you know, what they put out there, how they represent the brand. So I think trust is a huge thing. And if you can prove, you know, those things, then I think that you have um, a good shot of, you know, impressing the people that uh, will be responsible for you and your actions on social media, because that can be a hot topic sometimes. Awesome. And how, so tell me about that a little bit of how you, did you always, when you were posting personally, obviously you've had a blog for a very long time and all of that. Do you do you ever worry? I mean, now you're you're blogging more on the mom space, but I'm sure when you were blogging close to ten years ago, you mm. re- that's not really what you were blogging about. Did you ever worry about how you were perceived online uh, for your professional career? You know, definitely at first, no, because, you know, first of all, if you look back at 2005, Mm -hmm. um, a lot less people were on the Internet, and you didn't have these stories that end up making it on, you know, the 6 o'clock news about so-and-so said this and got got them in trouble. Um, Luckily, I was able to grow up when pretty much everybody else grew up on the Internet or, you know, at least got that lesson in what is good to post and what is not good to post. Um, And there are still offenders in that space. And you know, that type of thing really bothers me. I just want to reach out to them and be like, you shouldn't post those things. Right. Um, but I think also I'm a very, you know, I sort of was destined for a career in PR because I am very guarded and, mm-hmm. you know, conscientious about those things. I'm not a hothead. I'm very reasonable, down to earth. You know what I mean? So I kind of know, even if it wasn't, you know, a thing, I, would, I wouldn't I would post things that I think would, 
get me in trouble or say things that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just, I kind of, in my own personality, I have that skill. (laughs) And I think it sounds like what you're saying is that's the advice you would give to others as well, where you talk about trust is really about maintaining, you know, a sort of the image that you want to portray in social and and not, not being kind of dopey about it. If that makes yes. sense. Yes. Exactly. I love it. I love it. So Melissa, if people want to follow you and follow the brand, give us give us some places where they can find you. All right. Well, uh, sort of my multi-personality. So if you follow me at Gemsta, which is J-E-M-S-T-A-A, um, <laughs> that is where I know. <laughs> That's so uh, New that's England. Story, Gemsta. Too, maybe I'll tweet, I'll tweet it out. So right. if you want to follow me, you yes. get that story. Yes. Um, yeah, so there, uh, that's where I'm posting about, you know, some daily life stuff, but more on the professional side, at Grace and Josie. That is uh, my blog's Twitter handle. And then at Swarovski, that's where you'll find all the sparkle. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you for bringing some sparkle to this podcast, Melissa. We're thrilled to have you as a guest. Thanks so much for inviting me. It's been awesome. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kirpin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com.